All glory and praise goes yeah. to our great God. Amen. Yeah. Well, happy new year. Amen. Good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. Hear everybody uh, singing together is a great blessing. I uh, trust that you have had a, a wonderful Christmas and a uh, happy new year and looking forward to uh, this new year together as a faith family. Yeah. Um, we have much to be thankful for and much to be praying for this morning. Um, there are a couple of things I do want to share with us just to uh, by way of, of prayer. Um, one is our, our brother, uh, Junior Butch, is dealing with a, a bout of vertigo. So I just ask that you would pray for him. Uh, he's at home this morning and uh, talked with Miss um, Judy and just uh, uh, go back to the doctor this week and hopefully they can get him uh, some, uh, some, uh, some help with that. So be in prayer for him as well. It is, uh, uh, that's, not a, that's not a fun thing to deal with. I know somebody may have dealt with that before. So just be in prayer for him. Uh, just by way of praise, I know our, our, our brother, Pastor Carl, uh, tomorrow will be celebrating 50 years uh, being married. Amen. And so we want to just uh, say congratulations, yeah. brother. She stuck it out with you. Yeah. Uh, she's a gracious lady, what he says. But praise the Lord for his faithfulness and y'all's faithfulness to one another and the covenant you made together so long ago. And uh, trust that y'all have a great anniversary together. We're thankful for Pastor Carl and what he uh, means to us uh, as a church family. Uh, and there's just so many other uh, just praises, I know, and prayer requests. I know there's many. Um, I know just just the praise, thinking about Miss Janet Martin and all she went through with a heart attack and, and, and recovering and being better and not having any heart damage. Uh, what a blessing uh, that is. And uh, just uh, be in prayer for one another. Continue to pray for our brother uh, Roger. Uh, Mosher's mom uh, as she recovers and gets strength and good to have Miss Judy. Just so many things. Look out at your yeah, faces yeah. and think back all that you've all dealt with this past year and going into this year. I know you, as Jesse shared and as you see in your bulletin, we're looking at uh, going into a study through the book of Genesis, going back to the beginning. But I thought it'd be fitting this, uh, this first Sunday in 2022 um, just for me to share my heart with you and what uh, my prayer is for y'all. And uh, uh, not just for y'all, but for myself, for us as a faith family, of what uh, the Lord would have uh, for us to consider and to think about this morning as we move forward as a faith family. Psalm 119, verse 18 says, Open my eyes so that I may contemplate wonderful things from your instruction. And that's a fitting verse that will lead us to, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, it should be pretty close, um, we, uh, we were just in the book of Philippians, finishing that up there uh, last year, um, kind of weird to say, but yeah. finished that up last year, but Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, um, my prayer for us comes out of this text, and Paul's prayer for uh, these uh, Ephesian believers and the churches that was represented there um, in Ephesus. There were multiple churches there. There wasn't just one Ephesian church. There were many. Uh, many times we can read that. And, uh, it's interesting, the, the letter to the Ephesians. And so there's multiple churches, house churches there in Ephesus. And Paul is um, writing this letter with this cosmic view in mind of God's great redemptive work in saving a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation 
that he is reconciling, not only is he redeemed, but he's reconciling us in relationship to himself and to one another. And so he wants to exhort them for these first three chapters of Ephesians. He, he just encourages them and exhorts them um, really through encouragement, but reminding them of who they are in Christ. And so that's as I was considering that and praying, the Lord led me to this text and uh, my prayer for us in this new year. I am confident that we're going to face many challenges. We're going to face some hardships. We're going to face uh, death and families. Uh, it comes, right? Uh, there's going to be trials that each of you are going to face. Uh, physically, spiritually, temptations are going to come from within. They're going to come from without. Uh, we're going to battle our own sinful flesh, or at least we should be. But we're also going to face temptations in the world. Uh, we're going to face... Uh, we're going to face the culture, how to respond to the culture, how to respond to co-workers, um, neighbors, conversations that we may be having with, with those that don't know Christ. How do we respond? What do we say? Um, we're going to be dealing, as I said, with the sin that is within. Um, and so all of that, as I was thinking about what's coming here in 2022, I don't know. But I know those things will be littered and scattered <laughs> throughout this, this, this year. Um, but what, what I do know is that uh, with confidence is I know the one who holds all things in his hands, that he knows the end from the beginning and that he's good in all his ways and that he is working for his people, his children, you and me who have by faith trusted in him. He is working to um, conform us to the image of his son and for our joy. He wants our joy to be full. And so with all that, I just want to share uh, my prayer from this text is where it is, is led from. Um, so if you have your Bibles, Ephesians 1, I'm going to read this chapter together. And then you'll understand when we pick up in verse 15, where he says, for this reason, for this reason, listen to verse one of Ephesians one. This is the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are true and are faithful in, in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ may be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, 
and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. For this reason, Paul says, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your uh, hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope that which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of Christ, the fullness of him who fills all and all. Let us pray together. Gracious Father, we thank you for this time that we get to gather together corporately and worship you through song and through giving and through the preaching of your word. We thank you for the great privilege that is ours to be called your sons and daughters here this morning. And Lord, our prayer, my prayer, Lord, for your church here, for my heart as well, is that you would, by your spirit, uh, continue to mold us and shape us, Lord, into the people who love you, who adore you, who obey you, Lord, this year. That, Lord, we'd have a great affection and patience, Lord, for our brothers and sisters in Christ. But Lord, we would know the riches that are ours because of the gospel. That we would know more and more of you because of, of what you've done in Christ and how you indwell us with your Holy Spirit. So teach us now, Lord, as we look into your word. Encourage my brothers and sisters by your spirit. Encourage them, Lord, as we begin this new year. Or we begin it in the right place with our hearts and minds humbled before you in your word. For you are supreme and you are good. So have your way, we pray. Now and throughout the rest of this year, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus. Uh, many of you know this already, but just by way of background a little bit and just what we have read. A glorious text. Of scripture Ephesians chapter 1 I think I've shared before and you probably know but verse 3 from chapter 1 all the way down to 14 uh, there is no uh, period or comma or any kind of uh, punctuation there uh, in the original language Paul is just so enthralled with the work of redemption that that Jesus has carried out he's so blown away by the plan of the Father and the sealing of the Spirit that he just he, and inspired by God, he shares with these Ephesian believers the, the, the great work of redemption of the Godhead, of the Father, Son, and Spirit. So he is, what we'd like to say, man, he's pretty fired up when he's pinning down uh, God's word here. For he has experienced it, and he's experiencing it um, as God is using him in, in strengthening uh, his church here 
and Ephesus. Ephesus was a, a wealthy city. Uh, pretty much it was a port city. If you're wondering like me, uh, as I studied this book uh, uh, before, where would Ephesus be? This would be the western side of Turkey, uh, there on the coast. And it was positioned near, uh, near uh, key uh, um, routes and roads that were going through. So it was, it was a booming metropolis there in Asia Minor. And uh, this is probably, uh, Paul wrote this letter as well. As you see in Acts 28, he wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus, the churches at Ephesus under house arrest. Uh, you can see that in Acts 28. He mentions he's in prison several times as well. Uh, if you have a study Bible uh, at home and you go through, each time you read through a book, you'll see that. It'll go through the, the purpose, the occasion, the setting. It'll tell you a lot of those things. It'll talk to you about the themes in which each book is written. But Paul tells us in, in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ. He's shared where he's at. Chapter 4, verse 1, same thing. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And then also in chapter 6, as he walks through the armor of God, verse 20, for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought. So Paul is in chains writing this letter and he, he, he's, he's writing um, to these believers to encourage them. As I was thinking about what I want to be and my goals uh, for myself, for my family, for the church uh, here this year. I want to be an encouragement to the body of Christ as your pastor. Many times I know I, I feel it in myself to come with you know, the exhortations. And when they come in the scriptures, we'll share. I'll preach them from the scripture. But to make sure that one, one of the, the main purposes of our gatherings on Sundays and on Sundays nights as we sit under the the preached word is that you would be encouraged. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict and to work in your heart and your mind to bring you to repentance and trust as a, even as a believer, right? To change you. That's not my place. My place is to be an encouragement and to preach the whole counsel of God's word and then allow the Holy Spirit, which I have no, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can quench the Holy Spirit, but really the Spirit is going to work. And But he works with he works with you and me when we're humbly submitting ourselves and preaching and teaching and studying and sharing the gospel of grace in humility. I'm a broken sinner just like every one of you are. But I've been made a saint. And we need to recognize that and remember that. So I hope to be an encouragement to you this morning, this year. And as I was reflecting on Paul's um, letter here. He now breaks here, verse 15, and he, he breaks into a, a prayer of thanksgiving and praise to God for who he is and what he has done, for what he has done in the lives of these believers. So um, as you consider Ephesians, trying to give you a good overview, these first three chapters, I think I mentioned this, he's really telling them who they are in Jesus. He's encouraging them to know that, hey, you're not sinners. God doesn't see you as a sinner anymore. He sees you as a saint. So this is who you are. This is what he has done by the work of Christ and the sealing of the spirit and giving you the spirit. He has joined together a, 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 a people from every tribe, tongue and nation. There's a there's a cosmic view 
and looking back and looking forward as you read through the book of Ephesians. So if the, as the Lord takes us through our Bible reading this morning, our Bible reading, uh, reading together as a church is Genesis uh, chapter 4 through 7. As you go back and we work through, we'll get to the book of Ephesians and we'll read through it. We'll understand that in these first three, this is who you are. Verses 4 to 6, this is how you go live, right? So how are we going to live? Well, we need to live with thankful hearts. Let's consider Paul's prayer. Number one, he was thankful to God for his work of grace in the lives of these believers. Listen, we are all works of God's grace. Right? Yeah, that's right. And some of us may seem like we're farther along down the trail than others, right? But we don't compare ourselves one to another. We are not the standard. I am not the standard, right? Uh, kids, your, your, your dad is not a standard. We're examples, right? But we're not the standard. The standard is Christ. Amen. The one we look to is Jesus. Uh, uh, Keaton's message last week was, was excellent. Uh, he, he landed his, his main text being Colossians 2, 8 through 15. Just thinking of Christmas, and it just didn't stay there in the, in, the, in the manger. No, he went to the cross to secure our redemption. And not just to the cross, but he resurrected. And without the resurrection, what are we even meeting for, right? <laughs> we eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. We can go do whatever we want to do, right? But we, we're not to do that. There is a creator. And this creator had a plan of redemption to bring back his broken image bearers. And it was a great message last week. And so with that as a founding as well, it helps us center ourselves here in the thankfulness that Paul has for these believers. Look at verse 15. For this reason, what reason? The work of redemption, which we read. For this reason, because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So Paul is thankful for the work of grace in the lives of these believers in the churches at Ephesus. He has heard about it. He has heard how they cared for one another, how they provided for one another. What you hear here, what you see here, is that these believers had a gospel culture. The gospel had penetrated their hearts, saved them, and they cared for one another and loved one another in a way I know that looked different in the culture then, but it got back to Paul there in house arrest in Rome, that he understood that they were caring for one another, they were loving one another. He shares what they had. They had faith in the Lord Jesus and they had love towards the saints. Christ was the object of their faith. Listen, for us as believers here this morning, what is the object of your faith? Yeah. What are you trusting in? Are you trusting in um, a, a philosophy of the world or what the History Channel tells you about Jesus? Are you trusting in uh, K-Love, right? Not bashing K-Love, Christian music, it's good. God's word is, is what everything comes out of, right? So we look to God's word. Our God, in God's word, the object of it is Christ. So Christ is the object of their faith, and it must be the object of your faith, right? That is what saves us. You realize that, right? It's not the intensity of our faith. Because our faith, as we go through this year, sometimes our faith fails. Our faith, our faith wanes, right? It, it, it comes down. Where is the anchor? I was sharing with some guys this morning. Um, God forgive me, I didn't uh, 
I, w- I want to share this with you. Um, Keaton does this uh, during Sunday school many times. I don't know. I wasn't over here at the start to do one this morning. Shared a song. Um, there's a song by Matt Boswell and Matt Papa called Christ the Sure and Steady Anchor. What I mean by the object of our faith and not the intensity of our faith that saves us. I heard an example one time of think of the, the, um, uh, in, in the, in the Exodus story. When the death angel comes to the door uh, of, of, the, of the people of Israel and they come and the Lord gave instruction to put blood over the, over the, over the doorposts door and on the lintel and the death angel would pass over. Imagine two men inside and both of them have sons and one named uh, Bob looks over to Sam and says, man, death angel's coming tonight. I sure am ready. I'm trusting the Lord. Another guy's man. I'm, I'm pretty worried about little Timmy. You know, I, you know, I hope he don't die. And uh, both had sons, both trusted in the Lord. One had was unsure and had doubts, but he was trusting the Lord. And one was very confident and maybe a little bit arrogant. Which one of the sons were saved? One under the blood. All under the blood. It's not the intensity, and the guy who shared that shared it a lot better than I did there, but the, it's not the intensity of our faith that saves us. It's the object of our faith. It's obedience to the Lord and what he says. So you may not always feel saved, right? But that's not what saves you. What saves you is your faith in the one who accomplished it all at Calvary and at the resurrection, right? Yeah. The one who lived the righteous life, died the death you deserve, and then conquered the grave. That is our salvation. Salvation is believing the gospel, believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Have you done that this morning? There's no better day, no better way to start off your year and the rest of eternity than coming into saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in order to do that, you must realize that your great need is, is to be freed from your sin. And this is what Christ has done. He became sin for you so that you might become his righteousness. That is the message of the gospel. He took our sin. He gave us his goodness. And we get in on that by exercising faith in what he has done. But we're going to go through this year and we're going to face trials and temptations and loss. And it's going to shake us at the core of who we are. I was thinking about that. And you can be praying for a gentleman by the name of Jeff Paul, uh, his family. Uh, Jeff was uh, Jeff was our financial advisor. Uh, my mom had a uh, long story. I won't go into all that. When my mom died, uh, she uh, had Jeff assigned to me and, and our family, and he's been just a great blessing to us. And uh, the inheritance that my mom left us, Jeff has been managing that, and just a, a, seemed to be a very good man. Lives in North Carolina. He had COVID two weeks ago, and he passed away Saturday morning. <laughs> just like that, he's gone. And his wife is left dealing with, you know, his passing and all the ramifications of loss physically of a loved one, of a husband, of a wife, of children, of the diagnosis of cancer, of the loss of a job, all the different trials that come, much less the temptations to sin and do our own thing. We're in a battle here for being able to see properly and know 
that God is good throughout it all and through in the midst of everything, that it shakes us. And I was coming in this morning and I, I this song came on and I was thinking about that because Jeff has passed away. We're coming up just a, just a couple of weeks. I got that phone call on January 24th, January 25th. Hey, hey Bubba, my sister, you need to come home. Uh, mom's in the hospital, she's being diagnosed with cancer, it's really bad. And I left the 25th, and I didn't come back home to the 6th. I've shared this story with you, right? Things can change just like that. And, and we, can, we can get rocked, right? Where do we go? What do we hold on to? Who do we turn to? Well, God's word, right? Paul understands, and he's thankful for these believers that their object, the object of their faith is Christ. They're loving one another greatly in the midst of a pagan culture. And I couldn't help but think of us, but this song came on as I was playing this, uh, this album. Um, and it, it goes like this, just listen, listen to these words. Christ the sure and steady anchor, while the tempest rages on, when temptation claims the battle and it seems the night has won, deeper still then goes the anchor. Though I justly stand accused, I will hold fast to the anchor. It shall never be removed. Christ the sure and steady anchor through the floods of unbelief, hopeless somehow. Oh, my soul now, lift your eyes to Calvary. This my ballast of assurance, see his love forever proved. I will hold fast to the anchor. It shall never be removed. Christ the sure and steady anchor as we face the wave of death. When these trials give way to glory and we draw our final breath, we will cross the great horizon, clouds behind and life secure. And the calm will be, will be the better for the storms that we endure. Christ, the shore of our salvation, ever faithful, ever true. We will hold fast to the anchor. It shall never be removed. And I was thinking about that song. It's exactly what I believe Paul is desiring for these believers here at Ephesus to know and to, to trust in. He's thankful for what they have, um, what they have been trusting. They're trusting in Christ. And my encouragement to you is to hold on to Christ. Recognize that he holds on to you. When your faith is weak, when it fails, he keeps you. Right. We believe that once he saves us, he keeps us because that's what the Bible teaches. Amen. We don't lose our salvation when we sin or when we foul up or when we doubt or when we, we, we come to a, a crisis of belief. No, he holds us fast. But what we need to remind ourselves is truth. Right. And so he is thankful for these believers in the faith that they have. He was thankful they had love toward all the saints. Faith in Jesus and love towards others are two characteristics of born-again believers. This is what it means to be an authentic Christian. Do you, do, you, do you love the Lord? Do you trust Him? And do you love others well? Those are, those are, two, uh, those are two things that you can, you can gauge your life on, right? How do you love one another in the church? What is your passion like for Christ? So Paul recognizes God's good grace in their lives. And it's, uh, it's so easy for Paul, for myself, for anybody, because Paul was just a man too, to be critical, right? It's so easy to be critical of others. 
what others are not, where they're not at in life, their failures, how they've hurt you in the past. It's so easy for those things to be front and center in our, in our mind and in our, in, our, in our line of sight instead of being gracious and, and long-suffering with others. What it takes to be gracious with others. And where does this start? It starts in our relationship with the Lord, with ourselves. People who are normally not gracious with others, they're not even gracious with themselves. I'm realizing that about my own life. That you're not going to be gracious with others if you're not gracious with yourself and hold yourself to a standard. Sometimes we put that standard where it's just unattainable, right? We demand perfection of ourselves. Guess what you're going to demand of someone else? Perfection. And then you can, you can be really unruly. It's not that we don't have a standard and we don't work hard, but we realize that we're works in progress. Mature believers recognize the grace in others. Do you recognize God's grace as you look back over this past year, how God has grown some of you? He's grown your spouse, your children, your Sunday school teacher, those in your Sunday school class, those in the church. Can you see that? Do you see those do you have eyes to see that? Or do you wear the glasses of grace or the glasses of self-righteousness or self-centeredness? Or it's all about you. We need, as Paul does here, to thank God in our prayers for the evidence that we see of grace in others' lives. Namely, faith and love, right? Faith and love. Let us encourage one another when we see that. And we be encouraging this new year with that. I love what Kevin DeYoung says. He says the message of Ephesians is that when we embrace the love of Christ, we will also embrace the way of life that Christ loves. Jesus loved authentically. He loved the Father authentically. His love was shown for the Father in what? His obedience. He obeyed the Father in all his commands. He carried it all out. And he had a genuine love for those disciples and for people. He had authentic relationships, and that's what we need. That's what the church should be. For unbelievers who come in, this should be weird as we gather together. It should be different as we're singing praises to the sovereign God of the world. As we look at one another and talk with one another and embrace one another, which is weird. I recognize that even with COVID and where we're at now and all the different things that are coming up and out. and It's, it's weird, but... The way that we care for one another, speak to one another, touch one another, it should look different. The gentleness in our, in our voices, in our reactions, <laughs> things are different here within the body of Christ. Why? Because of Christ. Because of the spirit that indwells us. So when we embrace the love of Jesus, we'll embrace his life. A singular, a singular devotion to the Lord and a genuine love for others. Man, the value of good relationships, the value of good conversation, right? good salty conversations about what God has done and is doing in your life, not just the weather and sports, which we tend to talk to. And man, I thought we were, you know, getting hit by a hurricane last night, right? <laughs> and the rains were coming. But those are good things to talk about, but just what the Lord is doing in our life. Our love our love and graciousness and treatment of others is dependent upon our love relationship with Jesus. In this new year, take time to spend time with the Lord. 
That's one reason. We just want to give you a resource. Me, you may have a plan of your own to read through the Bible, or you're worried that you won't be able to keep up. Listen, it ain't, if you miss a day, it's okay. Spend time with the Lord is the main thing. Spend time in His Word. Right? It's not a. It's not checking off that box each time. There are going to be days when you get up and you're not able to have your devotion like you'd like to, or your your Bible reading time. Well, have it that night. Have it the next day. Double up. Don't don't put pressure on yourself to, to keep it off. You, you can't do it if you discipline yourself. But when you don't, don't lay down with sackcloth and ashes, right? And, oh, I'm dying. Right? Oh, you're alive in Jesus. We have his word. There's freedom in him. Don't beat yourself up, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And dust off. Get up and move forward with him. But our relationship with Jesus, loving him, that will that is what is the motivator and what develops a, a loving gospel culture, a gospel-loving culture here within Bethlehem. I see that already. There's great affection many of you have for one another. You've known each other for years, right? That can all be frustrations as well. Step back and think of God's grace on your life and what he has done for you. And it'll recenter you. Romans 15, 7 says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. You know how to demonstrate the glory of God? Paul says here in Romans 15, you welcome one another. You be gracious to one another. That is going to be a visible demonstration of the glory of God at work in the life of his people. Secondly, Paul is not only thanking the Lord for his work of grace in people's lives, he prays that God will open their hearts, their minds, to open their spiritual eyes to a couple things. He's asking God to illuminate himself by the Spirit to these believers. Look at what he says in verse 17. I'll go back to 16. I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your heart enlightened so that you may know, here's that word again, knowledge that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great life? This idea of illumination is a simple idea is that God opens the eyes of our hearts and our minds to know him and to know his truth. That's the only way we come to understand. That's the only way we come to know God is by the work of the spirit of God illuminating his word to us. Inspiration we talk about is what the, the is what we refer to as the nature of scripture, right? That God inspired men to pin down his word. And then it's the spirit then that illuminates, that makes known, that shows us cutting a light on so that you can see clearly who God is and what he has done. It helps us understand God's truth. And we need that throughout every stage of life. We need to be dependent upon the spirit of God to accomplish the purpose of God. If we want to experience the power of God, it's by the spirit's work. If we want to do uh, and serve him in obedience, it's by the spirit at work in us and us yielding to the Spirit's leading as we, as we seek to love Him and love one another well and, pro, and proclaim the good news of the gospel. 
We need the Spirit. How dependent are you upon the Spirit? How often do you go through your day? Or how often do you even approach the Scriptures before and even after? An indicator of maturity is, is our prayer life, right? But it's not big, long prayers. But when you open up God's Word, one of the first things that should be said is, God, please teach us your Word. We need you to teach us. We can't understand this. Late breaking news. I'm not that smart. And neither are you. We can't understand things apart from the work of God in our lives. But we have him. We have the spirit. And if you believed upon Jesus, you have the spirit. And he's there as an unbelievable resource to convict you, to comfort you, and to guide you in the scriptures. And so we need that. Charles Spurgeon said, apart from the spirit, it's easier to teach a tiger <laughs> vegetarianism than to unregenerate person the gospel. No one can believe the gospel apart from the spirit's work. That's what old Spurgeon is saying, and he's right. There's examples of this in the scriptures as well. Luke 24, on the road to Emmaus, as Jesus comes alongside these two disciples, Cleopas and, a, and another disciple, uh, he he, uh, he prevents their eyes from seeing him. But once he reveals himself to them, he opens their eyes of the disciples. Luke writes, then their eyes was opened. Luke 24, 31 to 32 and verse 45. There is a, uh, their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. So they said to each other, weren't our hearts ablaze within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? Then he opened their minds, verse 45, to understand the scriptures. God, we have to pray. We have to pray that God continues to open up our eyes, of our minds and our hearts to see the glory of God. To see what he wants us to, to know and then to live. So he wants them to know God better. That's what he's saying here in verses 16 and 17, 18 and 19 and 20 as well. He wants them to know Christ, that they're growing in knowing who they are in Christ and what they have in Christ. That's my prayer for us, that we would know who we are, your identity, your purpose. So many people, so many uh, suicide letters that are left. One of the common themes within that, in those letters, and most people do that. They, they write something down. They struggle with who they are, what their purpose is, why they're here. They don't understand their value. They don't understand. They're, they're trying to figure out this world and then all the brokenness and all the brokenness within and they're reaching for so many other things, grasping some other things to figure out who they are, that which will please them, and they can't. I don't even know why I'm here. That's because they don't know the Creator most times, right? But we can, we can know the Creator. That's why we as Christians should have joy. We've got, we we got the greatest message ever. Right? The way to be reconciled to the Lord. And Paul wants these believers to know what is theirs in Christ, who they are in Christ, the riches that are theirs. We don't have time to walk through texts. We have the mind of Christ. We've been given the mind of Christ. Philippians, that should be, we should be reminded of that from, from, the, from the sermons. He's given us the mind of Jesus, God has, in the work of redemption. We, 
are to be his hands, his feet. We have all the resources. We have the Holy Spirit that lives in us. He's given us his word. He's given us one another for accountability and encouragement. We have so many riches in Jesus. J.I. Packer in the classic book, Knowing God, says that those who know God have four characteristics. Great energy for God. Great thoughts of God. Great boldness for God. And great contentment in God. May we pray that God will open our eyes to know him better in 2022. Yeah. That should be, as we know him better, yeah. we're going to love better. We're going to obey better, right? And obedience, we do recognize that. You know, that old song, I've sang that before, or shared that we trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Obedience is action. It's one thing, well, Paul's not saying it's just that they would have a bunch of knowledge and then they wouldn't go and live. No, we got to read the rest of the letter, right? We, we, we won't be able to sit here that long. You get frustrated, you get hungry. So would I. Right? We won't be able to get through to four, five, and six, which is the ethical end of then how to live in light of who you are in Jesus. Now, go live this way. This is what Paul tells them in this letter. That's why God's word is so good. He never in the scriptures. Think back to Genesis. We're gonna, I'm going I'm to jump into the sermon series a little bit there. He never tells them what to do, Adam and Eve, before he tells them who they are. In chapter 1, he tells them who they are. Then he gives them the responsibilities in 2. Who are they? They're image bearers, created in the image of God. What does that mean? Well, that's for another sermon. They're to reflect him. The New Testament does the same thing. God didn't just, he's not... It's not a book of just do's and don'ts, although it certainly has. It's a, it's a message of the glory of God and the redemption of lost sinners like you and me. And him at work in using us to find our joy and fulfillment in Christ and in Christ alone. Don't get caught up in all the different philosophies of this world that are lies. They're lies. All trying to figure out the world. Good, good people, Right? Good people trying to figure out how to understand this, the world, but they're doing it apart from the scriptures. This is the, this is the standard. We can't go anywhere else. We can't turn anywhere else. And what the culture does and the world does is it wants to deceive us into believing and thinking a different way and not trusting. So Paul wants them not only to know and to think, but then to go and do it. He'll get into that in chapters 4, 5, and 6 of this. But I have to move forward. So he prays that they would know God, that they would know the blessings of the gospel better. It's preceded by what? Look at here. Have the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? So he, he walks through hope, inheritance, and immeasurable power. Listen, Christian, brother and sister, we are a people of hope. A hope that is rock solid. Because Jesus got up out of the grave, so did we. We did years ago in position because of what he has done and our lives are hidden in him. But now, in the here and now, we will one day when he returns. He is changing us and making us and one day he will finally call us home when he returns or we pass through death into glory, Right? It's a win-win situation for us who have trusted in Christ, for you who have trusted in Christ this morning. And this focus is not on God choosing as he goes through predestination there in chapter one, but it's on the outcome 
He's focusing on the consummation of God's plan in eternity. This is God's plan is to bring people to himself. So he wants these believers to know that God, that his call makes a radical positive change in their life and what the future holds for them. Do you realize this this morning? That's going to help you when you understand that more and more when you face the garbage that comes in this world. So we need to know that it'll change the way they live. Inheritance. This is, this, I've misunderstood this many times, but, oh man. I, I forgot to uh, start my timer. I'm only 24 minutes into the sermon, so I think I missed about 20 minutes. So we're, we're coming to an end here. But inheritance, look at what he says. What does he want to know? Hope. The hope to which you've been called to. And the riches, and what is the riches of his, of, this is good, of his glorious inheritance. Listen, you're struggling here this morning thinking, man, I, you know, you don't feel like anybody knows you. You don't feel like God hears you. God knows you. As a believer, I want you to realize something this morning from his word. You are an inheritance to him. Your value is wrapped up in the person of Jesus. Your worth, no matter what background you are, no matter what color you are, no matter how old you are, if you've believed on Jesus, your value is found in him. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Paul wants them to know that, you, that they're an inheritance to them. In saints means that the inheritance is found in or consists of these people. The revelation of who God really is and enjoyment of him will take place when God inherits his people, a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And you're in and on that. If you've believed the gospel, if you've trusted in him, if you're not, you're not his inheritance, but he wants you to. But if you don't believe and trust, he will pour out his righteous wrath on you. And it will bring glory to him at the end of all things, which not, should not warm our hearts, should break our hearts. But we're in a time of grace where God has commanded men to repent. Men and women repent and believe the gospel before it's too late. And then to know that those who believe, you're an inheritance to God. That is good, man. That is good news. And then there lastly, his immeasurable greatness. His, his power, he, he racks up these words for power here four times. Where's the immeasurable greatness? His power toward us who believe according to the work of, of his great might. The power of God to bring you to salvation. The power of God and the resurrection of Christ. He's talking about what he, his life-giving power. Not his cosmic power to, to call the, 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 the planets and speak them into existence and to throw the stars out, right? No, he's talking about his redemptive, life-giving power to those who have believed. And that's what we see. His prayer looks back. It looks back with an emphasis on the worship of God's activity in all of human history. In God's working of redemption. He's been explaining himself for the whole Old Testament. And then he prophesied of who he would be. And he, he, he comes that in Christ. That is, that is really good. And he finishes 20 to 23. He praises God for the exaltation of Christ. Listen to these verses. I'm not going to expound much on them. It says that he, he worked because of his great might. He worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. 
far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. At Jesus's resurrection that Keaton preached about last week, Jesus's resurrection is the inauguration of the final resurrection. Because he got out of the grave, death has no power over us anymore. It has been dealt with. Don't fear death this year. Don't fear if you lay your head down on your pillow, brother and sister in Christ, that where you're going to be, you're going to be in the presence of the Lord. To be absent of the body is to be present with Christ. Be present with Christ. If you haven't believed, you better be very, very fearful. For you're going to fall in the hands of the living God who is righteous and holy. And he will do what is right. And the condemnation you are in, you will remain in for eternity with the knowledge of this, yes. that Jesus Christ is Lord. Mm -hmm. And you spurn the gift of grace for all of eternity. Yes. Don't spurn it. Mm -hmm. Don't turn it. Don't reject it. Give up on your way and trust him. Follow him. Christ is the place where God's presence, his power and salvation are known. And we then, as his people, the church, he's head over all things of church, we draw from the fullness of Christ. Mm -hmm. And may we do that in 2022. May we know him better. May we know the blessings of the gospel better, each of us. And may we praise him for who he is and what he's done. And may we walk in obedience, right? An action of doing what the Bible says to do. May we live the way Christ lived. Think if we, do, if we do that here in this new year. Here in this faith family, in this community, in our neighborhoods, as it spreads out the tentacles of Jesus' life being lived through our hands, our feet, our faces, our tongues, every area of our life. Man, I'll tell you what you'll be. You'll be a joyous person in 2022, no matter what comes. And you'll be blessed. You'll be encouraged. Amen. And God, more importantly, most importantly, he'll be glorified. Yes. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. God, we love you. And we thank you for your great love for us, Lord. Lord, I pray. I pray for my heart, for my brothers and sisters' hearts here this morning. That God, we would step back and remember what you have done <laughs> through redemption. <laughs> redeeming us, bringing us back from our broken, cut-off, sinful state and reconciling us by the blood of your Son, Jesus, back into relationship with you and restoring to us, Lord, a relationship that can never be broken because Jesus rose from the dead and he's seated at your right hand now. And so, Jesus, we come in your name praying that you would continue to give us your Holy Spirit and illuminate your word to us here this year that we would know you better. We'd know your blessings better. And Lord, we would live in a way that exalts you. We would draw from the power that is in Christ and in Christ alone. So Father, have your way as we just respond in praise. You do what you do, Lord, by your spirit for your glory and for the good of your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand as we close. And a song of